Welcome to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network, a show that streams health, happiness, and hope to the kidney community. You can download all Kidney Talk shows from iTunes and find a variety of resources to help you navigate this illness at rsnhope.org. Please welcome your host, Lori Hartwell, who has lived with kidney disease since the age of two. Well, welcome to Kidney Talk, everyone. You know, I'm a big music fan, and I love anybody that's creative. They try to express themselves musically, artistically. It's so important for one's well-being, I have to say. And I'm very excited because we have David Rush today. Um, He's going to tell us a little bit about his story, but he's truly inspiring, and uh, you're going to be excited about this interview. So welcome to the show, David. Hello, hello. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So, you know, it's really exciting because I know you've you you're a recording artist, you've have many, many talents, you're a father, you're managing kidney disease. So tell us a little little bit about your story. Well, you know, just like you said, managing kidney disease. I know last time we spoke was around twenty seventeen or so. Still fighting the fight, of course. I'm currently back on dialysis. I think right at the end when I spoke to you, I had just got back on dialysis. I just lost the transplant that I had got from my brother in 2010. So I've been on dialysis ever since then. With that, you know, it was back in 2007. It was my first, you know, dialysis was back in March 16th, 2007 was my first dialysis. So been been dealing with up and down of everything for a while. As recently as 2019, I had suffered uh, renal cancer without even knowing it. Wow. I had to get all my kidneys taken out. My renal kidneys were taken out. My uh, natal kidneys were taken out, and my transplanted kidney was taken out. Wow. Um, so I'm pretty much living, living on dialysis, honestly. I'm doing that every other day for three hours and 45 minutes. Depending on my fluid gain, I might have to knock it up a little bit if I, you know, if I had a good time the night before, I have to bump it up to four hours. Yeah, but, um, you know, it. you know, I had no kidneys from age 12 to 24. Right. And I'm, you know, I'm like four foot nine maybe ten if i you know do my hair right Right. and it's and you know it it doesn't take much i had to limit my fluid because everything i drank stayed in me and i i mean it's just like you go out and you know eat a little too much salt and when you eat salt you can't control your fluid at all it's just impossible and then you need a bigger size pair of shoes i mean that's and it crazy? I start wearing I start wearing flip flops or Crocs, really, just to kind of supplement. But I honestly been doing a lot better with that, which is good. Plus, doing the home dialysis treatment, I'm doing more frequent treatments, so that allows for me to, you know, I wouldn't say cheat a little bit. I'm not encouraging cheating, but it does, you know, allows me to have a little bit more and still be able to take some off the next day. So it's been all right. Well, home dialysis is much better. I did PD for nine years and and home hemo for a year. So, you know, you can. I mean, if you're listening out there, check those options out. You know, I want to go back a little bit because you had your first transplant for how long? About seven and a half years, seven years. Seven and a half years. And what was your cause of kidney failure? They don't know. I had FSGS, which is one of the rarest forms of chronic kidney disease. So it just kind of started really in 10th grade with too much protein in the urine. And that's where my story kind of started. So um, from that point on, you know, probably just not eating the right things, not putting the right things in my body, not knowing the signs of anything being wrong. You know, I was 14, 15 years old, so I didn't think anything could be wrong with me at that age, of course. So, um, 
it just kind of really, I just want to say really happened. You know, maybe I did have high blood pressure, but at that age, you're not like going to, going to Walgreens to check your blood pressure. You know what I mean? Right. 15, 16. So right. if those were the causes, I wouldn't be able to tell you because it wasn't like I was seeing a doctor and getting these notions that something was happening. It kind of just happened very quickly all at once. Well, and, you know, the same for me because, I mean, my kidney failure was caused from E. coli bacteria from meat not properly cooked. But ultimately, high blood pressure took my kidneys out. And, you know, people never expect that younger people have high blood pressure. Exactly. And it's, you know, can happen at any age, any time. Well, you know, when we spoke uh, back in 2017, um, I'm really fascinated, you know, about your musical journey and, you know, I, I have so much respect for artists. You, you opened for Pitbull. Uh, tell us what you're doing creatively now. Uh, so creatively now, I'm still working on music. It kind of took a backseat to advocacy work and helping others with um, my Wins Only Lifestyle uh, company that I kind of formed back in back maybe a few years ago. So I kind of took a back seat to it, but I'm still working heavily in the music field, maybe not as a front man. Still releasing music that I have in my computer and my hard drive that I work on at home, but I'm doing a lot of executive production work for other artists, helping them write songs, helping them put out their songs, teaching them the right things to do as far as the business side of it and registering their records. So I'm still very much involved in the music scene. Um, I'm, I'm already too embedded in it to just stop. <laughs> so, you know, I, I do a lot of it, but more on the uh, behind the scenes side now. And so creatively, I'm still being creative, still doing content, still like everyone else, Instagramming and TikToking and all that kind of stuff. But it's more geared towards trying to give motivation, positivity and, you know, education about kidney health and just health overall. It's always a big question. People always ask me, like, you know, why do you have such a good attitude? You've gone through so much and all of this stuff. And I'm like, well, I could choose to be miserable or I could choose to be happy. And I'm not always happy, but it makes life a little bit better when you you go through life trying to be positive. Exactly. Exactly. So how how do you maintain, because you have a busy family life too. Mm -hmm. So how do you balance everything? Honestly, man, it's just, it's really just communicating with the people in my immediate circle, communicating with my wife, communicating with my children, and just really, you know, making sure that we put each other's needs first. You know, there'll be things where my kids want to do certain things and, you know, I have to kind of adjust my schedule for them because I want them to be able to do the things and not always, you know, as a patient, you know, you know best. We always feel like a burden. We always feel like we're jamming everything up. We're slowing everything down. And, you know, so I try my best to not do that, even though there are days where, you know, or times where I have a surgery or I have a procedure and I'm down for a couple of weeks and things have to be on hold. But it's really just having a strong team, having a strong communication with my wife and her just being there for me and us just making things happen for each other and being there for each other and being there for our kids. That's really how I get to balance it all. Because even leaving town, going to speak at different events out of town for a day or two, you know, it's a lot of moving parts, having a set of treatment, having to make sure I'm back on time to do a treatment here or not treat out there and just come right back the next day. And it's just constant communication, constant understanding, and keeping it, like you said, just keeping a good attitude, making it every day and just knowing that you have another chance and 
that's really all I want. You know what I mean? Just another day. You know, people often talk about the team, and of course, we have our healthcare team, but we really need a supportive family team. If, Very much so. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, are your kids involved, and do they help with your dialysis treatment, or do you plan a movie to watch, or uh, how does that look when you're scheduling your treatment at home? And usually I do my treatments in the morning. Um, I, I try to be very much involved in their life still. Um, I like to be able to take them to school in the morning. That's just like something I just love to do, take them to school. Then I hook up when they get home, when I get home from dropping them off. Um, they're involved if they're home and I need something, you know, maybe a little sailing pack to hook up or something like that. If my wife's not here, they'll run and do things like that. Um, snacks, they'll sneak me snacks when the wife tells me not to. They'll sneak me crackers and popcorn, you know, just stuff like that. <laughs> But, you know, I, I, I do show them, they do see it. Um, they are involved in my care as far as just being there and knowing what's going on with me at home. I don't keep it as something hidden from them. I want them to see it and understand the importance of keeping themselves healthy as well. So they're involved by just being there. For me, just them being around, you know, just being in the, for me being around is just enough, enough for me to know that they're there. Well, and, you know, you had that scare of cancer. And mm-hmm. um, I had a friend that just had a, a very, very dear friend that you know went through that, and she had to be five years cancer free before she could get back on the list. She actually had to lose her transplant; she had to let it go, wow. and because wow. of the cancer, and she had all kinds of therapy, and and she's transplanted now. <laughs> um, you know, That's she amazing. just kept fighting the fight. And uh, so where are you in your journey with uh, having another transplant and, you know, your your cancer diagnosis uh, that you previously had? So um, luckily I'm cancer-free too. I think it was a, a span of two years that I wasn't allowed to be transplanted um, because they didn't take the kidneys out for, for cancer reasons. They took, they took it out because it was the size of a melon and they just said that, hey, it has to come out. They didn't oh. know it was cancer until... They opened the kid, opened the kidney and saw it in there. So it was able to go through everything and it had to be a two year span where I wasn't able to be transplanted. But at this point right now, um, still, you know, treating, I kind of, we recently just moved. So Russ was recently moving, got a new house. It just, no time's the best time, but it really didn't feel like the right time to jump right into a kidney right there. I know, I know. So You're like, a, I kind of was, I was like, let's wait a little bit, you know what I mean? But as you know, with dialysis and stuff, you start to get a little burnt out a bit, and, you know, things start to get a little heavy on you, man. And, and, and I'm having, you know, issues. My fistula went bad after 16 years, so I have a couple procedures to get a new one put in. And after that, I was just like, you know what? I think I'm ready to jump back in the ring with a kidney. So I'm looking between then this year and next year to get back on the list and, and move towards getting a new one, hopefully. Well the, well, the good news is, is at the time you've been on dialysis, you're accruing time on the list, um, yeah, which is exactly. really wonderful because uh, mm-hmm. um, I remember fighting for that when you talk about advocacy. We had to fight for that because right. it was people who were, um, you know, not informed or didn't know when we're on dialysis for five years and then they had to get in line. Um, now uh, yep. it can be retroactive mm-hmm. for the time you've spent on dialysis, which I think exactly. is fair. I think it's fair. <laughs> it was yeah, a, that was a good fair. move. I think it's fair as well. I think it's fair as well. And you know, we're all kind of looking for the same things as patients, um, some more than others. And you know, I just take it with a grain of salt. Being able to have that option 
Um, I'm, I'm, and the thing why I didn't jump on the kidney list right away was because I didn't want to say no. You know, I, wanna, I didn't want to have that call come in and then me knowing that I'm not ready and pressure myself into taking the kidney because it was bad. So I kind of kept myself on the list until I was ready for it. And, you know, as soon as I get the, as soon as I get my fistula working strong again, um, you know, I'll be able to get this catheter out of my chest. And then once that's done, I just want to mentally prepare and, and probably jump into the, the ring then. Yes, catheters are um, actually, you know, the number one cause of of complications because of they exactly. get infected. And uh, but I I know if anybody's listening out there, um, you know, it is better to have a fistula and then a graft second, you know, because yeah, of, exactly. a, a catheter can get infected. Um, you know, one of the things that I think is interesting though is you made a comment about being ready for a transplant. Right. And and I think once you've been through it, you kind of know what to prepare for. And we're very mm-hmm. lucky because we have, uh, you know, dialysis as a bridge. <laughs> I mean, exactly. people have been on dialysis exactly. 30 years. So it's not like other organs where you have to get a kidney or you die. And I mean, you know what I'm saying? You have to. You can mm-hmm. have dialysis. I actually think it should be called life dialysis, not dialysis, because mm-hmm. it gives exactly. life. <laughs> um, I know. Exactly. I've, been, I've, been, I've been promoting that term for about 10 years now. And maybe you can carry it along with me because. I think I'm going to jump on that with you. I think. I'm, I think that may be a thing, man. I, we, we, we'll, we'll start putting that forward together. We'll change the narrative. Well, it is. It's just, you know, it's all about the story and how people perceive things. And as much as dialysis is not fun, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. Likewise. It's, it, keeps it, it keeps us alive. And keeps it allows alive. us to live our lives. And I, I you probably have heard this, too. Um, people complaining, oh my God, I have to go to dialysis. And, and I was there too, but you need to really reframe your, your thought process because it's a gift to have access to dialysis. I mean, it, it really is. It really is. Cause it's either this or I'm not here. You know what I mean? And with, I, I really, you want to have that will and you want to have that, you know, that reason, you know, I want to be here. I want to be alive. I want to be here for my kids. I want to be here for my wife. So this is what I got to do to do it. I'm going to do it. And, uh, and and that's really how I look at everything in life. I, I want to be here for it. Yes. So, you know, dialysis it is. <laughs> and, you know, we, we were born in the right side of the world, you know? I mean, because exactly. I get exactly. I get people asking me, like, you know, my uh, they're going to charge me in different countries or, you know, it's it's not available to everybody like it is in the U.S., um, I, I want to shift gears a little bit because I think one of the things that's really fascinating is the fact that, you know, you're out speaking and sharing your story. And, you know, maybe you could tell us a little bit about who you speak to and what topics, um, you know, you like to share. Sure. Um, you know, being a, a advocate is one thing when you're an advocate for yourself with doctors or you're an advocate for yourself you know, in your overall health, but then going out and actually speaking is another. I I started speaking, I want to say around 2009. It was right after I got off the tour that I did with Pitbull, and I had took my then next stage home dialysis machine with me the whole tour. And when I got back, they just wanted to hear about my experiences. And so 
I shared my experiences with a, a small group of some of the people that um, were working with the company. And it just turned into, man, people need to hear this story. And uh, it started there. And I, I, it just kind of blossomed into this full-on scale thing where now, you know, I'm speaking with um, schools like Northwestern Medical School out there with Dr. Susan Quaggan, who I work very close with at the ASN, over at ASN. Um, I speak with Outset Medical, who created the Tableau machine that I currently do home dialysis on now. Um, being a spokesperson for them, I've worked with AstraZeneca, U.S. Reno Group, even with the Presenius and Davila, I've, I've worked with them as well. Just being a liaison for patients and promoting patient education and also promoting, you know, modality education. And it's led me up to doing speakings in a small group of maybe 10 people to doing full-on national sales meetings with thousands of people to where November 2022, I was uh, rewarded with the ASN uh, President's Medal which was a great honor for my work in advocacy. So I never, you could have never told me that from waking up on dialysis that I'll be doing this and receiving president's medals for advocacy work. So it's, it's truly isn't isn't it wild? It's um, you know, it's really wonderful that ASN um, you know, does that and recognizes patient leaders in the community. Right. It's really wonderful. Right. So, do you corporate music into your presentations, or um, do you ever sing? Or, I mean, yes, I actually do. I've actually been booked to do the night before when they have like a national sales meeting. I'll come in the day before and the night of I'll perform like an hour set. We'll have a great time. And then the next morning, everyone wakes up like nothing happened the night before. I don't know how they do it, but they wake up and walk into those places. Like they did not just party the whole night before. They're like superheroes, these reps and all these people. But I have been booked to perform and speak in the same meetings. And I think those are the funnest ones because you get to see the the reflection of what a good treatment and taking care of yourself and just being and living a life can do for a patient that when you see a patient you do they're stuck in this chair, right? Or they're in the doctor's office or they're just down or they're not healthy. Instead of seeing me then, I want them to see me alive and moving and jumping and yelling and singing and then then see me in a space where I'm promoting and being positive and giving good energy and speaking to them. They get to see two different total sides of a patient and then the next day I'll go do dialysis and they'll be there to see that too. And it just right. gives them a full scale of, of, you know, how everything can go. You know, what's just shocking to me, David is, and, and you just hit the nail on the head um, because of the fact that, you know, sadly, and this is just giving an observation. Of course. A lot of times we're seen as an amorphous, uh, like um, I call it the empire state building syndrome. Right, people look right. down and they see patients, you know, oh, look at all those patients. And I'm like, you know, I'm a person who has kidney disease. And right. I have a lot of talent. I remember a story once when I used to sell medical products in the 90s. And in, in the 90s, I was, you know, talking to this um, African-American gentleman. Talking, I'm a big fan of the Critline product. I mean, I think Critline should be a standard of care. And I've been advocating for that tool since the mid-90s. Um, and I was teaching this African-American guy that was on dialysis, talking to him about it. And people were kind of flooring around in the dialysis unit. 
And I could tell he really got it. It was about blood volume monitoring and cardiovascular, uh, you know, complications. And I'm like, wow, you know, what did you do? You know, what was your, what's your story, right? right? And he goes, I was the first black cardiothoracic surgeon in the country. <laughs> oh, my and God. I, mean, I know. And it's just, it's, it's perplexing to me because every person who's on dialysis has a rich story to tell. Um, right. I mean, uh, you know, every year we have an essay contest at RSN, and in, undoubtedly every year I'm asked, a patient wrote that? And I'm like, right, you know, exactly. my kidneys failed, not my brain. Exactly. I mean, I'm like just trying to express that because they put us in this box and, you know, it does take a transition. I'm sure you experienced, you know, when you were diagnosed, and maybe you care to talk a little bit about it, about, you know, the change of how you have to figure out who you are with an illness. It's, it's a challenging thing. Changes. Your whole life changes. It's very traumatic to go from this um, life that you have to this new, I call it the new normal of your life where... You have to slot out this time to take care of your body that you kind of lose, you know what I mean? And, and, and fortunately, like things like this and, you know, speaking to you at this time right now, I'm actually on dialysis right now while I'm talking to you. It's like I try to use my time to still do things that I love and still, you know, move forward and not sit here and just waste that gap of time that I'll never get back. And, you know, to your point, it's like we become our flow sheets. To some people, we become right. our medication, we become our diagnosis, and they forget that before I was in this chair for three hours and 45 minutes, I would have been somewhere else in a studio, or uh, you know, what I mean, traveling the world doing something else. I was, a, I was something else before this part of my life came in, and that's what I try to show people, and that's what I try to give people that hey, there's still a life to be lived here, um, there's still you know, a person you know, through these through this needle, you know, there's still a person here. And and that's the message I try to put forward. And, you know, we're also it's so important because people who have the illness and I know you've witnessed this, they're trying to figure out who they are and what life mm -hmm. they can be. And seeing a powerful story like yours can be the the pathway for them, like, oh, if they're doing it. And, you know, that has always been my mission. I mean, this is actually, I've been doing RSN. It's my 30th anniversary this year. Wow, I can't, I can't believe I've been doing happy this for 30 years. I mean, That's it, it is. I mean, it, you know, to think that, I don't even know, like I'm a 30-year overnight success. That's what, you know, it, as you know, you I know, it you. takes a long time, right? But, of course. Um, but it's it's important because you need a lot of persistence with this illness, mm -hmm. and um, mm -hmm. this lesson teaches you a lot. I mean, you know, I mean, I've I learned mm -hmm. lessons because I had to manage kidney care that I apply in my everyday work. You know, like managing supplies, right? That's right. a shipping yep. and receiving job, right? Yeah, definitely is. Definitely is. Stocking, you're stocking, you're doing all these things in your home and find a way to modulate your area where you're doing treatment. It's a job. <laughs> Interior designer, you know, exactly, is, uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, so many things 
um, I've leaned upon in my skill set of being on dialysis for many years that um, I, you know, I'm like, how do I even know how to do that? Oh, yeah, I managed PD supplies for nine years. Of course, I know yep. how to do inventory and what you have to do and yada, 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 right? Exactly. <laughs> well, and, you know, I think it's really important that people understand their treatment options. You know, you did in-center, you've done hemo. Have you ever done PD? PD, I've never done PD, no. I went straight into home hemo. Home hemo. Only because only because PD didn't go with the lifestyle I was living. I was running around doing so much. And, um, you know, sleeping, sitting still for eight hours for me was non-existent. So it, it just wouldn't have worked for me. I think I would have did more damage to myself. Uh, you know, if I... if if I would have got PD, that was just my thought at the time. Right. But of course, you know, I have so many, I know so many friends and people who's on PD and it works amazing for them. And I always feel like it's patient choice, whatever works for you. I don't care what modality it is. I don't care what brand you're with, but whoever, whatever works for you is what needs to work for you. And, I, and I, that's what I always tell these patients. Go with what's going to give you peace, make you happy, and ultimately give you the best care. Well, it, it is. I mean, we're lucky we have a choice, but there is a big push in this country to for more people to go on home dialysis. Yeah, very big push. Yes, <laughs> I was there when they signed that bill um, a few years back about that. So, it's, well, you it's know what my you know what my solution is. What is it? I think my solution. I think we need to incentivize patients to do home. Mm-hmm. I'm like they don't have to pay their Part B premium. I don't know, but whatever it is. Um, I feel, I feel, and this is just my own personal opinion, but I feel if there was $500 worth of incentives um, mm-hmm. given to the patient, not, I, cause when I, when I say that at a meeting, they're like, well, we could have a caregiver and I'm like, you know, caregivers are good, but mm-hmm. to ultimately be successful, you need to be in charge of your own treatment. Or you're right. reliant upon somebody else to do your treatment, and then that makes you not have the freedom of doing your own treatment. Exactly. And, and I think I would love to see this piloted. I would love to, you know, I've been, you know, working, trying to figure out the angles of, of you know, is it the CMMI Innovation Center? What is it that could help do a pilot? Because... I've talked to some people, like they have a very small apartment. You know, maybe they want that extra bedroom exactly, yeah. to do their dialysis in. Um, maybe, I know when I was on dialysis, uh, I lived alone in a studio apartment and my friends would come help rotate my bags because, you know, it was tiny, like in the boxes or or they would hang something if my family, you know, couldn't come over or I was tired. And, you know, maybe I want to take them to lunch. Mm-hmm. For their, you know, because we don't always want to be a burden. You know what Not I mean? A, like, I don't, I, I hate to ask for help anyways, but if I ask for help and I then in turn say, hey, you know, I, I bought you Portos or something, I don't know, bakery or, or did what I felt is necessary, I think it would be a game changer. Yeah. And I mean, it takes how long for people to get a message? Seven years, seven times, I don't know. But um, <laughs> it, it, this, this industry that I love very dearly is a little slow in my opinion and if they would just <laughs> if they would just listen to me things would be better right 
I'm just kidding. But you know, in reality <laughs> is is thinking differently because if somebody else will do my laundry, I'll let them. Right, exactly. And that's the majority of people in this country who choose to do in center. And some of it's just because they want the social life. Mm -hmm. I think if we came up with some pilot like that, we would actually see a significant increase. And then also, and, and I think you can probably relate to this as a musician, you know, the first time you got paid to do something, how did it make you feel? <laughs> Right. The first time, the first time I got paid to do anything, I said, "All right, so how can I make this a normal thing? Like, how can I make this happen every time I did this specific thing?" And you know, as a person, you know, I sometimes I hate to ask. You know, I have managers for that because I'm I'm bad at saying, "Hey, is there a you know any compensation for this or whatever?" Even to this day, it's hard for me to know if I'm getting paid because you just you know you don't want to say the wrong thing. Right. And so, but when you, when you do get paid for your services and you kind of realize the value that you have and how people see you and what you're worth, I think that's when it kind of like, okay, they would have paid someone else to do what I'm doing right now. So it's like, okay, how can we work this out? So, you know, it, and there's something that you do do for free and there's something that you yes. do just do because you want to do it. And those are also very important to do because, you know, it's just part of just evolving. It's it's valuing people's time. And, exactly. um, you know, I was I had a request the other day, like a company, like, can you come speak? It's just on Zoom. And, you know, we want you to speak for 45 minutes. And, and I'm like, well, do you have a budget? <laughs> and they're like, and they're like, well, uh, you know, and I'm like, and well, what, well, you know, you could hear the stuttering. I'm like, okay, this is going to be an education, right? And you know, and then went on and kind of talked to him about it, and I said, you know, look, I cannot speak for free to a corporation, right? I can't do it. I speak and talk to patients all day long. And that is exactly. what I volunteered to do. But I am not a trust fund baby. And it's, I've worked very, very hard on my speaking skills for over right. 30 years. You know, if you right. give me the objectives, I'll, I'll deliver them for you. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's frustrating because I'm okay now with just saying no. Because it's, it's frustrating that anybody would even approach somebody and not offer them something. Even our Hope Week. We'll have to, you know, we'll see if you're available for our Hope Week. But, you know, I, I always pay all my patient speakers because right. it's like, it's what you should do. Exactly. I mean, even our essay contest winners, you know, we have prizes for them. And and it's like the first time they've been recognized and valued with like, go buy yourself dinner or, you know, whatever you want to do to make you feel a little bit better when you're compensated. So Exactly. That's great. So I'm glad. I'm glad that you're... You're um, fighting the fight because I would imagine there's a lot more doctors that can speak than a patient like you that can speak. And exactly. <laughs> it's just still a great opportunity. It's still a great opportunity. And I'm thankful for anyone who's ever booked me, who's ever, you know, did any inquired about me. Like I said, I would never imagine that I'd be in that space where our manager's like, hey, we booked for the next two, three weeks and this and this stuff to go there. I'm just like, wow, like. I remember doing it with music and to transition over to doing it with this. It's just, it's been, it's been God's time. 
Well, and I think that, you know, um, the more you do it, the more you find in your groove. So, um, yeah. and it's so, there's nothing more worthwhile than sharing your experience and helping other people based on it. It's, exactly. it's truly intoxicating. Um, you it's know, it, it really is, you know, you know, you, you, you suffered and you've, you've, you've learned wisdom throughout the years of how to manage it and, you know, do home hemo. I, I imagine you learned how to, you know, cannulate yourself and all those things that people mm-hmm. are afraid of. And when yep. they, I've been cannulating since 08, I've been cannulating myself since 2008. So yeah, even in centers, when I visit centers, I cannulate myself. Well, and that's uh, that's probably why your fistula lasted so long. It should have lasted longer. They're yeah. never long enough, right? But uh, um, <laughs> no, never long enough. Sixteen good years, though. I can't be mad at it. it. It definitely gave me a lot of good life, and I'm grateful. So, you know, to kind of wrap up, there's a couple questions I have. Maybe you can answer them all in one. Or sure. I do think I would love to know what musician song do you have a favorite musician or song. My favorite musician or song, I am a big Bob Marley fan. Uh, Three Little Birds is like my, my family all knows. If you want to get see me get up and move around and dance and sing, you put that song on. Anything Bob Marley, but Three Little Birds is, you know, every little thing is going to be all right. Is probably my theme song of my life. And, um, you know, I've been, I'd love that song. I play that song every day if I could. I know there. You know, we all need a theme song, so we'll just call that your mm-hmm. theme song. <laughs> That's my theme song. Yep. <laughs> um, and you know, what are your goals for the future, musically or speaking? I mean, of course, getting a transplant in the future. Mm-hmm. But uh, mm-hmm. what do you uh, look forward to? I just look forward to waking up every day. Honestly, I mean that. I, I really, I you know, I value opening my eyes in the morning. I, I value my kids opening their eyes in the morning. I value my, my wife opening their eyes in the morning. It's just every day, honestly, and I'm not just saying I really feel that way, um, but my goals more, outside goals, for me to continue to grow Wings Only Lifestyle, um, which is my company, and to continue to share this lifestyle with people and keep my branding and everything with that. To speak at more places and continue to help grow programs uh, via either home programs or just education, patient education. To get the transplant, of course, so that way I can do more of that um, because, you know, sometimes it is a little bit of a crutch when I do have to do treatments and kind of have to not be able to spend a couple of days at one place to really help out because I have to be back to treatment or don't want to treat there. Because my fish is brand new, I'm, like, very cautious and want to be at home doing it for right now. You know, once I get the transfer, I want to have those issues. So, you know, really just to grow the brand and, and, and continue to help people, man. Continue to help others and continue to push positivity and good energy to people and just really, really live the life that I've been given. You know, what, it may not be an ideal life that people would want. There's not nothing that no one would say, hey, I wish I had David Rush's life. But for me, I want to just be able to show my kids, like, with anything happening, you could still, still, still live a good life and that's that's be at peace and just be happy man that's really my goals from here on out um and i just feel good doing that it feels good every time i get to do it it's like therapy for me even though i'm helping someone else it equally helps me 
It, um, it's that, so those true. are my goals. I mean, I've been doing this podcast since 2004, and it's one of my favorite things because of the fact right. that I get to talk to people, I get to learn things, and, and mm-hmm. you know, when you share uh, with somebody that has the same illness of you, and you're just truly in the spirit of getting to the next milestone, it's like you really see people's humanity, right. and, and um, there's a special connection that you have with them that is very much so. um and you know i always say one friend makes a difference i mean you got to find a kidney friend when you have kidney disease that is an yep. imperative thing to do because the one friend can make a difference so it's uh, really very wonderful true. and um so maybe you can uh share a little bit of your social media links if people want to follow you of course uh you can follow me on instagram at david rush speaks underscore David Rush speaks underscore Instagram, David Rush on Facebook. Um, and if you would like to support Wins Only Lifestyle LLC, you can at winsonlylifestyle.com. Get you some Wins Only gear. Um, all my social media, as you will see every day, I do something called Welcome to Winsville or Good Morning Winsville. And um, I give wisdom every morning. So tune in. Hear that, and uh, you know, continue to support me. I, I I love every click, every comment, every any anything. Thank you for anybody who's bought Wins Only Lifestyle gear on WinsOnlyLifestyle.com, and continue to support. And it's always Wins Only. Thank you so much for everything. Well, that's wonderful, David. Um, we follow you. This podcast is a tribute to everything you've you've achieved. I mean, and and helping others navigate this illness is the highest form of helping people with an illness. So, I congratulate yeah. you, and I can't wait to celebrate your kidney transplant anniversary. The music hit that you have. <laughs> Uh, it'll be <laughs> Thank you so much. yeah. When you're getting that Grammy, you can come stay in my my guest house. How does that sound? My little dog. Oh, I call amazing. it the dog house. It's actually a garage we converted, and it's like we call it the dog house, but it's a nice one. Yeah. So you can come, <laughs> nice. you can come get right. your Grammy, okay? Not a problem. Sounds good. Thanks for listening to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network. Please make sure to find us on Facebook or sign up for our newsletter at rsnhope.org. Kidney Talk is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment from your physician. Always seek the advice of your own health care provider regarding your medical condition.